You're listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Gator Halpern, the co-founder and president of Coral Vita, a company created to change the fate of our world's coral reefs. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Coral reefs are the most biodiverse habitat on the planet. Despite covering less than 1% of the ocean area, they have over a quarter of all marine life exists in these rainforests of the sea. And if you think of a coral reef as a rainforest, the trees are the coral themselves, which are incredible organisms. And so magic is really the right word to describe them. They're these animals that are one of the original forms of animal life. The second branch of the animal kingdom is actually Nidaria, which includes coral and jellyfish. So an ancient animal, but they have a symbiotic relationship with algae. So inside the animal tissue is this zooxanthellae, this algae that does photosynthesis so that like algae does, like plants do, it's able to capture sunlight and convert it into sugars and energy. And so it's an animal, but it's got plants that live inside it, this algae, and then even more wild. It grows a skeleton that is rock. So coral skeleton is actually calcium carbonate, which is limestone. And most of the limestone that exists on the earth was grown by these organisms. And so they're animals, plants inside of them that grow rock as skeleton. And the rock skeletons form these incredibly intricate structures that are coral reefs that can you know, grow for thousands of miles and the corals can live for thousands of years to be seen from space and to create these essential ecosystems that are really the cornerstone of all of life in the ocean and therefore much of life on Earth. So we just described the beauty and magic of coral reefs. They're also incredibly important economically because they are drivers of ecotourism economies around the world. But even more importantly, they're the foundation of fisheries throughout the tropics. So coral reefs actually are the breeding grounds for most of the fish in the tropics. And then they're also essential barriers for coastal communities from the open ocean. So they're called a barrier reef because they form this natural seawall between the open ocean and coastal communities, protecting them from storm surges and erosion. So really essential ecosystems for humans and communities around the world, as well as these natural ocean creatures. And unfortunately, all of that value, as well as the magic and beauty is being lost around the world at really frightening rates. So coral reefs are really the first major ecosystem that we're seeing collapse globally due to climate change. Over half of the world's reefs have already died. That's just since 1970 or so when we started taking baselines. And scientists project that primarily due to climate change, over 95% of reefs will be dead by 2050. And so this is an incredibly tragic issue from an ecological standpoint, but it's also a, a serious catastrophe socioeconomically for all the communities and the up to a billion people around the world that depend upon these coral reefs for their livelihoods. And so at Coral Vita, we are trying to create a new model to 
restore and sustain these ecosystems so that they can continue to thrive and benefit these communities for decades and generations to come. And we do that by creating high-tech land-based oral farms where we can do some really exciting science to boost the resiliency of these corals to the warming and acidifying oceans that threaten their condition. We can accelerate growth rates so we can grow mature coral colonies in months rather than decades and scale these production processes so that we can provide diverse and resilient coral to restoration projects around regions. And so we've been doing that here in the Bahamas for the past handful of years and are very excited to bring our solution and, and technologies to all the places in the world that are in desperate need of reef restoration. So in our land-based coral farms, we can do a few different exciting processes. One of them is called microfragmentation. And this is a method that was pioneered by some of our colleagues in Florida, as well as in Hawaii and a few other places where you can actually break coral up into tiny little fragments. And coral are actually colonial creatures. So if you see one coral, it's not a single animal. It's actually hundreds or thousands of animals all growing together in a column. And what you can do is actually break it apart into tiny fragments. And each of those fragments has the ability, if you give them the right substrate and nutrients and water quality, to grow into its own colony. And we can actually accelerate that growth rate in our farms by microfragmenting corals into tiny pieces, putting them on substrate that mimics their skeleton, the calcium carbonate that they're growing, and actually fusing the corals together across these molds. So we break the coral apart, fuse them back together, break them apart, fuse them together. And through that process, we can make the coral in all out growth mode all the time and substitute this limestone rock that takes sometimes decades to grow with these different substrate molds we provide them with. So we can grow a kind of a dinner plate sized coral, depending on the species in about a year, whereas in nature that would take. 40, 50 years sometimes to reach that size. And so once we're able to grow those corals to a, a mature state in our farm, we can then scuba dive down and actually plant them back into reefs and, and bring these ecosystems back to life. We don't want to spend all the time and effort and money to plant these corals out there. And then they meet the same fate of the, the reef around them. And the next El Nino event, you see the corals bleach and die. And so we spend a lot of time and, and effort looking into the resiliency of the corals that we're growing. And in our land-based facilities, we can really closely control the water quality that our corals are growing. So typically they're kind of given the spa treatment. We give them perfect conditions, trying to grow them as fast as we possibly can. But then we also can take them to the gym and we basically crank up the heat, crank up the acidity and the corals get stressed out, then we could cool it back down. We could crank it back up, cool it back down. And that process does a couple of things. First, it builds up a little bit of tolerance within the corals that we're growing. And so they've seen those conditions before. They've had these exercises that they've gone through. And that's been shown once you plant those corals back out on the reef, they're less likely to bleach than corals that haven't been put through that process before. 
But even more importantly, what we can do is see which individual genotypes, so which DNA types of coral actually survive better in those conditions. We can crank up the heat and mimic an El Nino in 2030 or 2050 or 2100. And most of the corals suffer greatly in those conditions, but you'll find some that actually are able to cope better with those future ocean conditions. And we can select for those resilient genotypes and even breed those genotypes together to create new generations of coral that have these traits, these genes that'll allow them to be more resilient and adaptive towards the warming and acidifying ocean conditions. So we're selecting for resilience in this process that has been pioneered by colleagues of ours in Australia and in, in Hawaii who have dubbed the field assisted evolution. It's really we're helping accelerate the coral's ability to adapt and evolve to the changing ocean conditions that are threatening them. So one of those two breaths you take came from the ocean. You wouldn't have had the oxygen to breathe that second breath without the oxygen created and generated by the ocean. They, the life in the ocean and the power that exists within regulates the entire climate on earth and it provides for the means of life on our planet. And so it's again, difficult to over-exaggerate the importance of the ocean towards creating a world we can live in. And it's also difficult to over-exaggerate the importance of coral reefs to life in the ocean. And so they're really a cornerstone of all life in the ocean. As I said before, over a quarter of all marine life. So at Coral Vita, we like to describe ourselves as optimistic realists. And I think there's plenty of reasons to be hopeful that we'll be able to have a future where generations to come can enjoy the beauty of coral reefs and communities can continue to benefit from the ecosystem services that are generated by coral reef ecosystems. At the same time, we should be realistic in terms of how large the scale of the issue is and how much coral reef has already died and is already set to die because of issues that you know we've done in the past. And so even if we stop emitting carbon dioxide tomorrow, there's enough carbon built up in the oceans and the atmosphere that coral will continue to die for decades to come before things level off and get back to a, a state of balance. And so with that reality, we need to do everything we can to sustain as much coral reef as we can and as many different species, as many different genotypes as possible to sustain the diversity necessary in these ecosystems. So I think the future won't look like the past. I, I don't think it's realistic to say that in 30 years time, the coral reefs will look like they did a hundred years ago, but I think it's realistic to be optimistic in that we can sustain these reefs in a way that is incredibly meaningful and incredibly beneficial and valuable for our planet, different communities that depend upon them. We hope you've enjoyed this program and listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you'd like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscribe button. Thank you for listening.